Welcome to Liberty Monks Podcast. James Mundy here with Mike Mundy. How you doing today, brother Mike? Well, I was going to say I'm over here uh, nursing a infection, but as our next guest is going to tell you, I'm over here detoxifying. So that's right. Um, You're detoxing, man. Right? How's that? How's that coming? That's uh, okay. I'm just, I'm getting better. I'm on day three. Right. Uh, I'm on the I'm on the up up kick. So all right, yeah, that's yeah. good to hear. Uh, you know, and um, you know, yeah, this is one of our favorite people and uh, to have on, man. Dr. Lee Merritt's with us today. Um, Dr. Merritt, welcome to Liberty Monks. How have you been? Hey, very good. Thank you. Glad awesome. you're detoxing good. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to see you. Hey, listen, um, we, we haven't interviewed you in a hot minute, but uh, we've talked on the phone a little bit, and sure. you, you've, been, you've been telling us some amazing, amazing things recently. Uh, you've kind of shed the light on some things that you and some of your uh, other doctor and scientist pals kind of behind the scenes have been working on and discovering. And that's what this whole thing has been, I think, for the last, I don't even know how long it's been, Dr. Merritt, but all the, the, the years are blending it's together like at forever, this point. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but everyone's been, you know, that's in the truth movement has really been trying to figure out what in, what in the hell is going on and what just happened to us. And um, where did it come from? Why is it happening? Who's responsible for it? Was it natural? Was it not? And I think by now, we've talked to enough people to where it's like, well, this is there's no way this came from a bat soup. Okay, there's just no possible way. Um, we've talked to people that are in counterterrorism. We've talked to people that are doctors and scientists. Very, very, you know, much like yourself, very, very well studied, intelligent people that understand how to critically think and. So we're excited to get your perspective. Um, and I know everybody out there listening is going to be excited to get your perspective. Just before we get started, I just want to make sure that um, I'm, I'm, for those of you who don't know who Dr. Merritt is, which I find hard to believe at this point because you're out there talking and, and putting yourself out there as much as anybody is. But Dr. Lee Merritt graduated from the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry in New York. Um, she was elected to lifetime membership in the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. Dr. Merritt completed an orthopedic surgery residency in the United States Navy, served nine years as a Navy physician and surgeon before returning to Rochester, where she was the only woman to be appointed as the Lewis A. Goldstein Fellow in Spinal Surgery or of Final Spinal Surgery. Very, very huge honor um, and well-deserved. Dr. Merritt has been in the private practice of orthopedic and spinal surgery since 1995 served on the board of the Arizona Medical Association and is the uh, past president of the Association of the American Physicians and Surgeons. So a packed resume for this good doctor and uh, we're excited to have you on and most importantly, very excited to hear what your thoughts are um, just around everything around COVID and gosh, we're, we're, we're almost two years into this mess, doctor. Right. Um, where do we stand right now? Well, I mean, we have to start I mean, we have to start accepting some things that nothing the government is doing is in our benefit, that the people that are running this show are not doing it because they really care about our health. There's another there's another agenda here. And I would just say that um, if you still believe in masks, masks are for morons. We have to stop being afraid. This is this get out of the fear zone and let's start looking at this really scientifically and that's what a bunch of us are doing and we've been doing it since the beginning and i and i will say from the very outbreak i knew this wasn't right i knew that this was a some kind of bioweapon and i said this is not an airborne virus now in the beginning of this whole thing i still believed what i was taught in you know scientifically in medical school and residency and fellowship and in lifetime in medicine that there were viruses 
But what I've learned is not only can we not, you know, not only should we discount anything the Uber Lords running this show should tell us, but we should also go back and reassess every aspect of what we believe to be true and look at how we know it's true. In other words, if you don't know how something is proven, then it is not proven. And when you really go back and look at a lot of this stuff, it turns out it's been smoke and mirrors forever. And we just didn't, we, we've been sold this bill of goods in a lot of ways, but, but here's the big, the big picture. Um, I think, and I, and I got to credit a lot of people. I mean, there are a lot of people that have been really doing great, great disclosure research on this. Celeste Solem, who looks at, she's former famous. She looks at all this DARPA military stuff. Karen Kingston, she goes through patents and, and old research and the five docs that I'm on with 10, Sherry Tenpenny and Carrie Made, Larry Pileski and Christian Northrup and Dr. Brian Artis. I mean, there are a lot of people that are contributing to this. I know I'm left a whole bunch out, but I'm just going to do a shout out to those guys. Um, you know, I've always thought there was something wrong with the paradigm. I've always said this is not an airborne disease. This is not a, if this had been a highly contagious airborne disease, it wouldn't have confined itself to Wuhan, Lombardy, and New York City. Pretty much that's where it really looked scary. So what's, what's starting to come out? And then the other, another thing that's kind of driven me to start thinking about what might be going on is looking what they really didn't want us to know about, okay? What did they really, really, really not want us to know about? Remember George Carlin, the seven words you couldn't say on TV? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, now we have the six words you can't say on TV, and I'll see if I can say them fast like he does. It's <sighs> nitazoxanide, chlor chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, fenbendazole, and chlorine dioxide. And those yep. six things are antiparasitic drugs. Now, that's, that's I mean, I... I started looking, I mean, how did I get here? I started looking at several things. First of all, and this was, this was my contribution. I said, why are the young men um, uh, in the military, not just men, why are the young people in the military, when they get this vax, so-called vax, they're starting to break out with cancer. And when they break out with cancer, it's not the cancer we used to see in the military. When I was a general medical officer taking care of the Marines in Japan, I mean, when you when you met somebody, came into your clinic, these are, you know, 20-ish guys, and they come in with a cancer, it's usually a solitary single cancer, like testicular cancer. That's an age-related thing that young men get, okay? Why now are they showing up? And I have this because I have a lot of guys that are still in active duty uh, military medicine that tell me this. They're showing up with cancers all over them. Okay. It's like they're, they're suddenly, they don't show up with a single cancer, which is the normal thing for everybody. Not normally. It's the, it's the unusual case that shows up with multiple metastases before you make any diagnosis. It happens, but we don't see it. And it's usually older people, but now we're seeing it in these young people. What the heck is happening? Well, then you go back a ways and there's been one of the great things that's come out of COVID is all this disclosure stuff is starting to drop. And these, you know, places like Telegram, I you know Telegram's great, places like Telegram where you can find information on all sorts of things and they're kind of categorized. So, um, I mean, I found lots of, of, of videos and doctors talking about the fact that they believe cancer is parasites. And I started looking at this. And when you really start thinking about it, it makes some sense. Then Brian Artis tells me that he believes autoimmune, is, or autoimmune disease is parasites. And 
then I have a, a you know little little dips of information here and there. A friend of mine who's a pastor that got throat cancer a number of years ago saved himself with fenbendazole, which is an anti-parasitic drug. And he was one of the few people in his cancer group that survived. His wife found it on the internet. So you go on and on. And um, why does autoimmune disease respond to hydroxychloroquine? Because it's an because it's an anti-parasitical drug. Um, and and I have to say the other thing here that fits, which is a little creepy, but I'm going to say it anyway. The people we're dealing with, and I use the term people somewhat loosely, mm. they believe <laughs> yeah. in this old Babylonian Talmudian uh, moral standard that if, if I don't kill somebody directly, I'm not guilty of murder, right? If I tie them up, this is the exact example. If I tie them up in their kitchen so they can't feed themselves and they die of starvation, I didn't kill them. They just starved to death. Well, this would fit if the ter if the situation was, I didn't kill them with these vaccines. I created these vaccines. I didn't kill them with these vaccines. The parasites killed them. Okay. So I've come to believe, and I'm going to demonstrate why I, you know, some more of that, mm -hmm. that, that what's happening here is um, that everybody in the, well, here's the big worldview on parasites that, that fits this idea. From the time you're little, you acquire parasites. Parasites are in every, almost, I mean, every species that I know, including insects, have parasites. So parasites are ubiquitous. For some reason, since the 1970s, in the 1970s, we were taught at least to look for them, but we were told that it was third world country problems. But we were taught to look at the light microscopy of all the all blood smears ourselves. And that sometimes picked them up. In the night by the 1980s, I've talked to people that graduated later from medical school than I did. They've they told you to stop looking at light microscope. That's just nonsense. Just don't send it off to the lab. Okay, so they wouldn't be looking. They they discouraged us from doing the kinds of direct evaluation of patients that would have made a difference in picking this up. But but parasites are with us, and they told us it was third world countries, but that's clearly not true. I mean, if you have dogs and cats, what do they do when they when you take them to the to, especially dogs, when you take them to the vet, what do they do? They deworm them, right? Yep, they sure do. Cattle, cattle. Every farmer that has cattle has deworming medicine. They all know they have parasites. And in the old days, in the 50s and 60s, when I grew up, they all dewormed their kids and themselves too. But we've been discouraged huh. from doing that. Now, parasites are all not eye-visible parasites. It's not like everybody's pooping out worms, um, not to get too graphic here. But the, but the point is, is that the parasites are microscopic and they're macroscopic. And there are many, many microscopic parasites. So what is happening here is, I believe, is, as we get older, we accumulate parasites. And the way it works is a mother parasite of whatever kind, microscopic or macroscopic, um, and it's easier to kind of visualize, you know, the mother worm in your bowel, but you don't usually see that. My son's a general surgeon. I said, do you ever see parasites in the bowel? And he said, never, you know, so that's not something they see when they open it up. Now they don't mm. often open up the mm. small intestine, but you know, they do sometimes. So um, you think of it that they're laying eggs and they're laying between 20,000 and 200,000 eggs a day. Most of those pass out of the system, but some of them get in, absorbed into the body and they get insisted into these little uh, like little egg sacs all over the body, brain, liver, muscle, you name it. And over time, your body, what your body does is it sends out a little um, uh, immune sentry. Like, like think of it like the Roman empire. You mm -hmm. put the sentries out there so that, so that my German ancestors didn't sneak in and take over. So they, they, the same thing with parasites. You, you, you put out these little immune uh, vigilant 
surveyors and they make sure that all that parasite egg sex is kept in check. Now, over time though, sometimes, you know, well, let's go back to cancer. Why would this be related to cancer? Well, look, when you're 10 years old, you still have the BRCA1 gene or you have the you have the cancer gene that you're, you're born with cancer genes. Why do some people have cancer genes, but you don't get cancer at age 10? You get it when your immune system starts being overwhelmed or incompetent. So you get it in your 50s and 60s. Before that, in your 40s, 30s and 40s and 50s, you get autoimmune disease. And that's a sign that your immune system is being stressed. It's, it's, it's flared up. It's constantly being worked because you, for some reason, have a lot of parasites. You've got a lot of parasite egg sacs to keep in check. So your immune system is a little on high burn and we call that autoimmune disease. That shows up early on. One of the things people can get is uh, acne rosacea. And I actually got that when I was an intern and I've fought it all my life. I'll tell you that story, but acne rosacea is just, or now they call it rosacea. It's just a rash on your skin, mm -hmm. right? But what happens is, a lot of people with acne rosacea over time, they're treated with steroids, steroids by their doctor or, der or dermatologist doctor or whatever. And then they develop lupus. They develop a more severe autoimmune disease, right? And that's because it makes it worse because now it's dumbing down the, 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 the immune system that was keeping those parasite egg sacs in check. I'm just giving you my worldview. This is yeah, not yeah. something that other people are, are, this is not, this is not 30 year double blind studies. This is just mm -hmm. my worldview of what's happening. Same with cancer. At some point, the, the, the control mechanism breaks down and you just can't keep all these egg sacs under control. They start growing. And then it turns out we see them on MRIs, these little blobs all over you, because MRIs don't tell you what it is. They just look at properties of things. So they look at the fluid content and whether the fluid's moving. That's essentially what MRIs look at. And so what we call cancer could very well be uh, parasite egg sacs. And in fact, this is one of the things I, I learned. Brian Artis has a, has a friend who's a, uh, or actually somebody he works with, who's a, a like 40 year Egyptian parasitologist. Now parasitologists, <laughs> those guys are the kings in Egypt. They're the kings of parasitology because they, they recognize that they have all sorts of parasites over there. And the Navy used to have, I don't know if we still do. We used to have, have a surveillance station on the Nile and, they, and one of the things they did, they always reported and wrote papers on parasites. I always thought that would be a cool thing to be an infectious disease person. I'm glad I didn't do that and, and go to train there. I thought that would be neat. But his parasitologist friend said, and he was commenting to him, he said, you know, when I look under the microscope at egg sacs of parasite egg sacs and then of, of adenocarcinoma, the bowel or some other cancers, they look identical, like colon polyps and breast tumors and stuff. They look identical. And this guy looks at him kind of big wide eyes and he says, you know, in 40 years of parasitology, I have never had an oncologist make that association. Oncologists being cancer doctors. Yep, yep, he yep, says, yep. but in parasitology circles, we talk about it all the time. In other words, I believe the parasitologists know that much of what we call cancer is really parasites, but they don't want to speak that word out because guess what? They'll lose all their funding because big money in cancer treatment, not big money in parasite treatment. So. That's, I mean, I'm telling you all the little bits of information here. Here's another interesting thing. Uh, multiple sclerosis and neurologic diseases. A, a, a doctor in Florida, he did a series of 10 autopsies on 10 MS patients and 100% of them had parasites in the brain and spinal cord. Okay. Wow. Now we see, how do we make the diagnosis of MS? Again, a lot of things we think, you know, we name 
we by naming something doesn't mean you know the etiology. You don't really know what mm -hmm. causes it. I just name it. Okay, so when you'd get an MRI because you have neurologic symptoms and it shows these quote plaques on the brain and spinal cord, we say, up, oh, that's MS. You got plaques on the brain. We don't know what those plaques are. We just say they're plaques. Okay, but it turns out those are parasite uh, invasion areas. And he showed that. And 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 the other interesting fact I remember from medical school, again, this is not stuff that anybody's, I think, taught today, but we were taught one of the odd things about MS when you look at the risk factors is that as you get, uh, it, that your risk goes up for MS in life if you had a lap dog before the age of like 10 or something. It's a small child and had a lap dog. Now, why would that be? Okay, how can that, what, you know, we always used to kind of say, what does that mean? But it means you got parasites early. Okay, and you're more apt to have it, and you, and when you, when maybe you could get it into the blood, past the blood-brain barrier easily. I don't know, but, but that's this is all the stuff that's been going on now. These doctors are coming out and saying all over the world now, having these videos showing parasites swimming around in the fresh blood smear, and saying 100% of our cancer patients, when we to check their fresh blood smear, have parasites. Wow, 100% okay. of them? Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard that said by certain doctors. I'm not sure everybody's had that experience, but mm. that's one to consider. So, so, um, and then finally, why do they hate the anti-parasitical so much? Well, the, so, so when this, when this first thing came out, I said early on, like I was saying here, I said, it isn't a virus. This is something, this is not airborne. If it had been airborne, it would have ripped through Paris and Nome, Alaska and every place. It would not have just gone to these three major urban mm -hmm. areas. This acts like it was a purposefully placed contact poison. And we have a lot of experience. We helped the South African Defense Force years ago with their bioweapons plan, specifically about contact poisons, how to poison people that you want to get rid of. They were trying to decrease the black population. So, so now we have, now there's information. And this is one of the things. And so I've been telling people from the get-go, I said, if you you should take, everybody should do a parasite protocol to get rid of the parasites in their body, whether you've had the vaccine or not. Okay. But certainly, you know, it may help decrease the risk. Now, why is, why are these young guys in the military cropping up with all these cancers and not just them? You hear the story all the time. My uncle Joe was fine. He had cancer 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but had been in remission. He takes the vaccine and boom, this thing goes all over the place because it turns out, even though we've never been told officially what's in this vaccine, we do know some of the effects. And so when one of the things that these things do is they decrease your um, toll-like receptors, okay? They're, they're, they're called toll-like receptors. And it's part of your immune system that, serve, that they're, they're the Roman sentries that make sure that things aren't going on in the periphery, okay? So you're not having all these egg sacs break out. So now you've taken away half your Roman sentries and the parasites come in. That's what's going on here. I really do believe that's what's going on here. Now, it gets even creepier when you listen to what Karen Kingston has unearthed in these patents and in mm -hmm. these, this old research, where she found out that this is pro that she went back and, you know, Ralph Barrick is one of the guys that's named as having, you know, first, first discovered, manipulated, did gain a function research on the spike protein. Okay. And SARS bat coronavirus spike protein, and he, he's talking in the words of virus and genetics and all this kind of thing, and 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 what was going on. Now I knew that there was something wrong about this whole story. When I started really looking into 
can they really do what they say they do can do? And um, I don't know if you've you've been in the the foo fight about Purnima Wog. She uh, she's a friend of mine. I've met her through this. I found that video. It was a little short video she had on the on the on the podcast stuff on on the internet. And it cro- and she just kind of said, "I'm a lab scientist. We looked at 1,500 specimens of, of lung lung fluid from SARS-CoV-2 positive." COVID test patients, and we couldn't find any evidence of virus. And she said, also, and, and she just said, this is just BS. Uh, it's not, there's, it's not there. And, and she goes through that in some more detail. But mm-hmm. I contacted her and I found out also, she said, um, I got a, two, in fact, I have a two hour uh, video with her on Rumble that's worthwhile listening to. Now, she's the real deal. She may not have a PhD in virology, and some people have attributed that to her. She doesn't say she has that. She just says, I trained at the London School of Tropical Medicine in virology. Okay, she did her research there, but she didn't go. She didn't gotcha. get the degree. But she, um, but she's smart gal, and, and anybody that knows anything about science can talk to her and know she's not making this up. And and it fits with what we're now seeing. She said eighteen labs, and we've already had the the Spanish and the Germans publish this. The eighteen labs around the country have looked at the the around the world. I mean, have looked at the vaccine and have not found genetic material in it. Okay. Um, and they've looked at Sputnik, the Sinovac, they've looked at AstraZeneca, Pfizer, all of them. And they, nobody has said they found so far, you know, if somebody has come tell me, but so far, nobody has found genetic material in it. Now, you know, so the first question is, could they have missed it? Well, it's unlikely all the labs missed it. Or, you know, right. I don't think 18 labs are incompetent, but I also asked Purnima, how did you look for genetic material? And if anybody understands this, they'll know this is pretty convincing. They looked at it using gel electrophoresis and Raman spectroscopy. The chance of missing it, I think, is pretty darn low using those two techniques. But right. now, Kieran Kingston initially said, well, maybe it's just that it goes poof after 10 weeks out of cold storage. That's what they say. It can't last out of cold storage. I said, Karen, I'm raising the BS flag on that idea because what do we, what's, don't you ever watch CSI? What could, what, what, how can they find DNA in, in old dead people and stuff? You know, right, right. genetic material were that fragile. So, and, and it's true, it's RNA. Maybe it's more, and it is more fragile, but I'm not still buying that. So, so then she's been doing all this research and she discovered that Ralph Barrick actually said in one of his papers that we don't look at much, said actually that the spike protein isn't transmissible. It didn't, in other words, it didn't make it, it didn't make it meet the standards for a bioweapon that they were looking for. It sounds like that he kind mm-hmm. of, he, he has the exact quote, but it's basically, yeah, we found it. We manipulated it a little bit. It didn't really work. Whoa, that's interesting. So what's going on here? And she says this spike protein is artificially, she's found patents and stuff. It's made from genetically engineered hydrogel and it's totally artificial. It has nothing. There's no virus. There's nothing to do with anything else. And that this thing actually uh, is is conformable, meaning that in fact, if you you can, you can anybody can read this part of it. It's easy to find about smart hydrogel. Hydrogel. Okay. This oh, by the way, and this is what Pernamalog said. Every lab found in the vaccine, they found hydrogel, metal fragments, and graphene oxide. So I'm going to put this all together here in a minute. But anyway, the hydrogel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's hydrogel, and then there's smart hydrogel, and then there's genetically engineered smart hydrogel. So smart hydrogel is, is this polymer that absorbs water. That's why it's called, maybe that's why it's called hydrogel mm-hmm. that absorbs water and that um, then can be triggered by external wavelength, for example. 
okay? So now you've got genetically engineered smart hydrogel that actually is can grow, reproduce. It's like a synthetic life form. And it also can be triggered by external wavelengths. So let's picture this. They showed us pictures of the, the 3D conformation. Proteins are all, all um, it's, not, it's about shape, okay? When, you, when your body does things and it's got enzymes, all sorts of proteins that do things in the body, if you change the shape, you change the ability to function. That's how toxins work in the body. They steal electrons from your proteins, your protons change shape, your proteins change shape, and are dysfunctional. So when so now you've got this smart hydrogel, and it is either in a diamond configuration or a triangular configuration. And it can be manipulated into that fit configuration by external wavelength. Let's think 5G. And in one configure, one of those configurations, I think the triangle configuration, it can hook into your ACE2 pathway. So putting this together with what I believed was going on, you make, a, you make an artificial self-replicating poison that is, that is tactile. Okay, you can pick it up on surfaces. We saw people in Wuhan, China, touching and you know, like they were dosing computer keyboards. They were, they were going to a computer store and this one person would open up the computer, touch the keyboards, close the computer, and over and over again. Wasn't looking to do any kind of what the, what the computer's technology was or what it could do, just touching the mm -hmm. keyboard. That's the kind of thing you would see. In my state of Iowa, one of my friends who's an ER doc looked at the outbreaks of, uh, quote, COVID in early of 2020 and it discovered it went up Interstate 80, which cuts across the state in almost like rhythmic patterns. So here, space, here, space, here, space, here, as if you were dosing it. I'm mm -hmm. just saying. So let's assume that that's what happened. And that does explain why it went down big in Wuhan, which was the number one city for the 5G rollout. And when did that happen? In October. It was announced that it was going to start one November, but the first cases were in 15 October in Wuhan, China of COVID. And it really kicked off in November. And then in December, when you saw the huge death and dying happening over there, was when they instilled the 5G into that hospital where Dr. Lee was squeaking out. This is 2019. Where mm -hmm. he, was, he was talking about this. So this. So it's a combination of a toxin that's conformable and that reproduces and that is uh, controlled, can be made more deadly or less deadly by 5G. So you turn off the 5G, you're going to still maybe damage some people, but you're not going to damage that many. Or maybe it doesn't damage oh, anybody. Maybe they could dose the whole world, for example, and turn on 5G in various locations, which I'm kind of in favor of that idea. And that also explains why people in Wuhan, which had been in the household of a sick person, often didn't get sick. And they could not, they traced 10 million people. They could not find one person that it traced out to. In other words, if those, if those asymptomatic people left the apartment and, and got in contact with other people, none of them got sick. Just the incident people got sick. They got into the goo and the 5G turned on and they got sick. That appears to be what's going on here. Okay. So now they're, so what her point is, this is, a, this is an AI synthetic <laughs> parasite. Now she's got more to say about that, but I think that she's hit, he, she's hit this on. I will say also, you can create disease without anything in the body. So the other possibility is all of this is smoke and mirrors and it's all 5G. That is a possibility. And, and I can talk about that later. There's a thing called the Kosnacheyev mm -hmm. effect that I discovered in the Russian, old Russian literature. But in any case, 
I think that this idea of a of something that was spread tactilely that can that that has something to do with 5G that replicates and can shed on other people goes along with absolute it fits everything we're seeing. So now what do we do about it? Well, the answer is <clears throat> We need to do two things. We need to treat the parasites and we need to mitigate the 5G. And I think that's why they really look how they look how they really went after us to talk about anti-parasitic drugs. I mean, my license, sure my license is under threat in Iowa, um, as is more than 20 other doctors just for speaking. I mean, it wasn't because they're patient complaints or anything. I was speaking. And they asked me on what basis did I uh, give off label drugs such as ivermectin? Well, the basis is that the FDA agrees with it. You know, the FDA says it's fine to use off-label drugs. Here's how you do it. 22% mm -hmm. of the drugs in the hospital are off-label. And yet the FDA was not only going after, you know, this, it was, it was literally causing the post office to destroy packages of ivermectin that desperate people were ordering from overseas pharmacies. This is insane. Not, not the least the question is why do they have the power to do that? But this is totally insane. So well, not only not only that, but on the NIH's website, I believe that I don't know if hydroxychloroquine was on the website, but ivermectin was on the website as well, a suitable drug to use to combat COVID nineteen. I mean, right. that was all. How, that's right, and I'll tell you how it was on there, and it wasn't the only drug. So when Kerry Made first started talking, thinking about this artificial parasite that can grow, okay. When Kerry Made, the other thing, because the other thing we're seeing is we're seeing these weird clots, okay? These weird yeah. white clots, and that some of the some of the um, the 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 uh, <laughs> the coroners, not the coroners, the, uh, the embalmers, the embalmers, yeah. they're talking yeah. about some of these move. The clots move. I mean, that's when they pull them out. It's really creepy, or they don't die in formalin. I mean, it's really strange. So these are a synthetic life form. And we've always kind of thought that, but we didn't now we now we know what Karen Kingston put that dot together and figured out it's probably from a uh, a, a spike protein type uh, algorithm that they made. Well, anyway, so so um, Carrie Made when early on that thing that she showed that that's kind of the famous little squid like thing under the microscope slide that she saw yeah. in a Moderna vaccine. Well, we were talking about that when she first saw it. I was one of the first people to see that thing, probably. And she, we were talking about it. And um, so after we, so she's, so we're talking about is this Hydra because Hydra is something, and you, it's, I'm going to tell you, I tried to find this the other day and I couldn't find what I found early on. Early on, they weren't hiding this stuff, but now they've scrubbed the internet. So there's a lot of even professional scientific papers hard to find. But I can guarantee you that they were used doing experiments on using Hydra to try to make a connection because Hydra is immortal and it doesn't get rejected by your immune system and it, it quite like other things. And it, they were trying to think, could they use this to span, use some kind of Hydra compound to span nerve defects like for spinal cord injury? Can't find that now, but I swear I saw that. But my point is that I started thinking about the Hydra and I said, well, if it's really Hydra in here, how do we get rid of Hydra? So then I went to, I found out that Hydra was a salt, was a freshwater contaminant of aquariums. So then I looked up, what do the aquarium boys do? I mean, what do they do when they have mm -hmm. of contamination? And they use a drug called nitazoxanide, which until then I'd never heard about. It turns out to be the bomb antiparasitical, probably better than anything else. Um, 
I had a senior chief in the Navy one time that had a beef tapeworm that multiple doctors rotating on year rotations over to Japan could not cure. And this cures it in three days, beef tapeworm. So this is a, this is a bomb, but it also, what your point was, if you look at the, at the studies for remdesivir at the NIH, they added two drugs to make it look like it was actually effective. They added ivermectin and they had nitazoxanide. Those were the two drugs. Okay. So, so yeah, so, so they know, and, and by the way, people have said this, just, just Google uh, ivermectin and cancer and you'll see all the research going on. So, uh, you know, hydroxychloroquine has been shown to decrease your risk of cancer if you're a, an autoimmune patient. So a lot of this stuff is going on. So now what are we left with? I think that we have to, I think there's a way to treat parasites and I'm putting out, I'll have this up today on my rumble site, this whole how to hear the here you know not that i would ever practice medicine uh, by remote so this is only what i do you can take it for what it's worth because you know chlorine dioxide is such a hot button with these psychopaths in charge they'll put you in jail for even suggesting to use chlorine dioxide so i would never suggest people use chlorine dioxide i just use it myself you know and i tell you how i do it and um so and i think the answer is that don't give one of the beautiful things about believing this is mrna technology is to diminish our interest in figuring out how to save people that took the vaccine, right? Because if you change your, we can't, you know, we can't, a lot of, I've heard a lot of docs say this, well, nothing we can do about that. It's changed your DNA. So you've had a system, and I think in retrospect, that's been a systematic kind of uh, psyop about this mRNA. Oh, you know, it's really latest technology, but it actually, and then trickle out from MIT labs. Oh, it gets into your genome. Oh, you know, it all came, but, but I'm going to tell you, you know, the guy that all this is based on this idea that we have the ability to very precisely manage uh, cuts and splices into, into Mm -hmm. DNA and RNA. Well, the guy that's credited with that is a guy named Feng Zhang from uh, the MIT. He's, an, he's, an, he's a biologic engineer. We now have departments of biological engineering. That alone is a little creepy, but he is a, he's <laughs> got a PhD in biological engineering, and he now has the Zhang lab at MIT. And, and he's the guy credited with developing CRISPR, the technique that was you know, uh, supposed to be able to cut and splice things precisely. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out you go to his website and on the front page, if they don't scrub it, cause I'm talking about it, on the front page of his website, it says, eh, you know, when we talk about gene splicing, we can't really do what we say. We, we can't really precisely insert things. We can do gene knockdown. We can't really do this precise insertion. Now that's interesting. Okay. Because it turns out what is his real PhD in. I looked that up. His PhD is in optogenetics, where they use wavelength to stimulate nerve function. And it's through through ion channels. It's not through genetics. Okay. It may call it optogenetics, but it's primarily through um, uh, voltage-gated ion channels. So we have to do two things. We have to ameliorate the parasites in our body, both, both I think, because if you use nitazoxanide and this stuff is made, maybe hydrogel that we always think is hydrogel, because I've seen it spelled both ways with an O mm-hmm. or an A, is really hydrogel. And maybe there's actually hydra in there or hydra parts that will then reproduce and grow these things. I mean, something is synthetically right. growing in people. Okay. The, and then so, the, so, so there's, there's, there's 
get the parasite treatments on board, get rid of the parasites. I think it'll hopefully cure the, the, the one they put in you and ameliorate the, fi the 5G, the, electro the electromagnetic frequency toxicity that we're all getting. We are all getting this. And I actually, um, <laughs> I hosted the fourth hour of the Alex Jones show and I, the, in a last minute thing, they called me and I said, I thought to myself, what am I going to talk about? Well, you know what I really know something about is the 1918 pandemic. And that was a combination of electromagnetic frequency toxicity. The guys were, para they were being trained to be telegram operators and these farm boys from Tennessee that were never around electricity suddenly get thrown under all these wires and all this telegram line and they started getting sick. But what killed them were these fake back, these, these man-made, very crude vaccines that were first given to their troops in 1918. Mm -hmm. and a bad drug. In that case, it was aspirin uh, used incorrectly. So it's very much like that was the first round of this. But that's what's going on. Now, there's there's on my website, I've got up on the top left of my website, there's a thing, EMF uh, thing. And you push that and it takes you this this group that, that really has bioassays of a way to ameliorate 5G. It's mm -hmm. not like x-rays. X-rays you have to block. 5G, you have to mitigate the wavelength. It damages you in a totally different way. It doesn't ping your DNA. It, it, it opens these voltage-gated calcium channels. One thing people can do right now to help them against EMF toxicity is take extra magnesium. That also stabilizes your calcium voltage-graded channel. So in, in stepwise order, if you want to get yourself out of this, my advice is bump up your magnesium. It's easy and cheap to do. Start yourself on a parasite protocol. I, I tell you on my on my uh, Rumble video that's going to be posted right after we get done here, mm -hmm. um, the drugs that are available. But what I used was fenbendazole because it has a very long history of anti-cancer use in this underground mm -hmm. movement. It's very safe and it's cheap and easy to get. You can get it from the cattle store. So you can start it today and or your vet store or whatever for your dogs. And then, the, and then I would throw in nitazoxanide. So I use a combination of fenbendazole and nitazoxanide. And I tell you how to do it, if, or I tell you how I do it. And then ultimately, I'm going to do a lifetime on chlorine dioxide. Chlorine dioxide is really wonderful, but I wouldn't say that to people because the Grenons have been in jail for over two and a half years. You know, we talk about the January 6th guys, yep. but trust me, it didn't start then. He's Bishop a pastor, Gren isn't he? Yes, Bishop yeah. Grennan and his sons, it's all about a mission. That the, you know, other missionaries mm. also are doing this, using treating malaria, dengue fever, all over the world. They're treating people with this stuff. This stuff is widely used in industry. They give it to dairy herds. They increase their milk supply. Um, they use it to to sanitize all the food we get from the fresh market in the stores. So if they can't make it illegal. They can just shut us up by terrorizing us so that we don't speak about it. And that's what they did to the Grenons. Bishop Grennan had been curing cancer and curing all sorts of stuff as a free mission. He didn't charge for it, mm -hmm. right? He asked for donations, just like any other church, but he didn't charge people per treatment. And yet they arrested him on the basis in Colombia because he was had a TV show or a radio show that went all around the world, internet show. And people started calling in during COVID and said, hey, I just took that chlorine dioxide that you talked about and my, my COVID just went away like that. And that's what got him into trouble. Anybody saying that, boom, they were, and the FDA wow. managed to, not only to, can the FDA control, think about this, not only can the FDA tell your post office to destroy packages for ivermectin, they can also tell the Colombian gendarmes somehow to go arrest people. So 
they charged and and you know what he's charged with is crimes against the United States. That's creepy. Yeah. So in, so they in, really in what go, possible way is that a crime against the United States of America? Right. Right. <laughs> fraud and crimes against the United States. Now, Jeez. it can't be really fraud because he's not selling anything. <laughs> I mean, right. if, if I lie about what I put in my bathwater tonight, does that constitute fraud? No. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. And actually, wow. I love the chlorine dioxide bath. I do it every night. I mean, it's just the best. So that's my that's my thing. And And ultimately, the question is now. Karen Kingston's of the belief that we need to, we're going to need to take down Starlink and take down the 5G towers in order to finally survive. That may be true. Okay. That may be true, but that's a very hard target. Okay. Yeah. That's, there's how many, they put 415,000 5G towers up during COVID, something like that. Lots of them. Man. So, you know, and they are getting burned down in places and I would hate to see that happen. I'd never, I never would, 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 recommend that but you know at some point they may accidentally start burning down i don't know and that might not yeah. be bad no, it's just like food processing plants are just accidentally burning down. yeah like those are accidentally hmm. burning down no, those i worry about those unfortunately not we need yeah, but um but the the thing about starlink now it just happens that i have a relative that uh my son who actually he's one of the what i call the blue wizard i said oh now you're a blue wizard he didn't want to tell me about his job because he's writing software to connect satellites together but he, he says, well, you don't have to take down all of Starlink. There's only 2,300 control stations on the ground. So there you go. I don't know if it's going to come to that. But in the meantime, right. we need to save ourselves in order to save the world. And the other thing is we need to stop. We need, I, I tell you why we need to get out of this whole viral paradigm. <clears throat> you go back, and I challenge anybody to do this. Look it up for yourself. Don't trust me. Don't trust Thomas Cowan. Don't trust Andy Kaufman. Look it up for yourself and find out. Not that I'm in their category, but we're all talking about the same thing. That when you really go back and you look at the stuff, the way that they claim viruses exist and have been proven is extremely sketch and doesn't really make sense. It doesn't meet the criteria of logical science. And and um, but what it does do is make you afraid of me as a person that could emanate something that made you sick. The idea that I breathe out little little uh, invisible unicorns that fly around and get into other people's face and make them sick is the justification for masking, for social distancing, which is not mm -hmm. social. All these things that are an anti-human agenda is based and these whole vaccine plans are based on viral belief in infection. I actually went back. I have three generations of medical books in my in my possession. I started with my own. And even in my own in the 80s, when you look at transmission of disease, they did not use viruses as the paradigm. They used parasites. Really? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. They don't. And, and you go back further, they don't even mention viruses. You know, viruses are something that came about in preparation for getting you to take vaccines. I swear. So it's nonsense. So walk me through this, um, because I think all of us with children have experienced this in one way or the other. They go to school um, and they all get they sick, come, they, they get sick. They come home. It the whole family gets sick. It seems yeah. to pass through the house. And, and the right. answer we're given is, oh, you're you know, it's a virus. You know, you're, you're touching. Right. That's an easy sterilize, answer. Sterilize it's... your doorknobs, uh, wipe down your kitchen counter, sterilize uh, your bathroom, all your, you know, get new toothbrushes. This is what yeah. they tell us to do, right? So walk me through the parasitic explanation of, all right, what just happened? Well, that's not necessarily a parasite, what you're talking about. Okay. Well, the, the, the ancient medicine 
did two things. Ancient medicine, um, the symbol of which I'll talk about later, but the, but the ancient medicine believed only in two things, purification and detoxification. Okay. Purification, get right with God and then detoxify. The word virus in Latin does not mean infectious agent. It means toxin. Ah. i.e. poison okay so interesting anytime that's right that's what i was saying to uh brother mike there i said you know anytime you start sneezing and wheezing think about what did i get into how am i toxic don't think oh i got exposed to somebody i mean here's here's how stupid this thing is i mean it, it's it we we every time i can tell you too every time we tried to come up with this you know, these explanations, they, they eventually fall apart when they're not right. So don't worry, this is going to come down. But here's, mm. here's an example. If everybody goes to before COVID, if you had 10 family members and you all went to a birthday party at a restaurant mm -hmm. and the next day, some of them started getting sick. And then the next day after that, some more people got it and get sick. And so by 72 hours, most of the people that ate together at that restaurant got sick. What would your first thought have been 10 years ago? Oh, food poisoning, right? Food poisoning, yeah. 100%. Right. We went to this restaurant, but yep. now your first thought, due to the psychological operations waged on us, uh, is, oh, there was somebody there with COVID or this disease, and we all spread yeah. it around. And we've been doing this. We've we've kind of accepted this explanation for all these childhood diseases forever. You go to school, and everybody gets close to each other. Well, what else? Let's come up with other reasons that this could happen because this is a very Think about miners in a, in, a, in a mine that go down and they're searching for diamonds, let's say. But they, unbeknownst to them, the mine is contaminated with uranium. So, and it's in, in the 1800s, they didn't know about uranium before Cure. So they go down in the mine and then the first guy who's the most sensitive to, who's least, least immune competent, he starts getting sick. And pretty soon he gets sicker and sicker, has to be drug out and he dies. And then other people start getting sick and then they die. And, it's, and everybody's convinced that they're, give, they're passing around a disease, but it's really a toxin that's universal in the, in the environment. And that is probably 90% of what we call viruses. Think When all your kids go to school after the summer, there are two things that happen. One is they are suddenly without sunlight. And number two is they're suddenly in these schools that have been toxified with cleaners for the school year to start. They paint the they paint the railings. They they clean the floors. They wax the floors. They they decon they you know they use all these toxic poisons. I heard a, a pulmonologist years ago say, you know the stuff that that mothers sp spray on the counters to clean the counters is much more toxic to the lungs than cigarette smoking. You know it's one of the you know we we assume that all of our asthma and all of our stuff is is somehow intrinsic. But again, we have so many toxins in the environment now, and. What has happened too is that as we have started vaccinating kids and we've started exposing them to bad toxins in the food, they've been more susceptible to this. Now, you know, there's there's another way that, that you could spread disease that we have not mm -hmm. looked at and it's very important. And that is what Dr. Kaznacheyev discovered in the 20s and 30s in uh, Novosibirsk. I think he was in Novosibirsk, Russia, but somewhere over there. And that is that that disease can be spread with electromagnetic frequencies without any germ, okay? Here's exactly what he did. It's a beautiful, elegant experiment. He did it thousands of times. This isn't an accident, but it has been silenced. It's very hard to find this. I, my, I knew someday my Russian would pay off. Um, it, you know, it's very hard to find this, but I was able to find it in the literature by just phonetically putting in the name and then searching the Russian literature, and then I found it. 
but he's a he put out imagine this so he took it he took a tissue now a tissue is by definition a particular kind of cell so let's say muscle tissue and he divided it into two segments he put part a in, in a glass and uh, completely hermetically sealed chamber and he put part b in a hermetically sealed chamber and then he connected them by an optical window so you've got the same kind of cells identical cells in two chambers connected by a window okay now he poisons side A, and he can poison side A with radiation or arsenic or bacterial toxins, you name it. Didn't matter mm -hmm. what he did with it. He poisons side A, and then he watches to see what happens to side B. Now, this is the cool part. If the window is made of glass, nothing happens to side B. But if the window is made of quartz, it actually transmits the death. So, and the, let's say I did radiation on side A. So there's a, there's a characteristic death pattern of side A that's different than if I poison it with arsenic, right? Okay, so this is radiation poisoning mm -hmm. death in side A. After about 12 hours with a quartz window, the, the cells in side B will start, start dying of the same pattern, even though they were not exposed to the radiation. What's huh. going on here? So the Russians, I can't remember if what it was like pho photoni smert or something. It was called the death photons. I love that word, the death photons. So they 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 believed that that there were these wavelengths that would leave that when when cells were damaged or sick, it would it, it would emanate these wavelengths that would go over and and cause the disease in these other unaffected cells. And why the quartz? Well because quartz allows UV and near UV light through, but window glass does not. Ha <laughs> So hmm. now, now let's take it a step further. We've got Jacques ben Benveniste and Luc Montagnier, apparently you have to be French to do this research, but they, it, using different biomolecules, uh, Benveniste used immunoglobins and, and, and um, uh, Luc Montagnier used DNA, but here's what they did. They put the bioactive molecule in water and then they, they shook it up or whatever they put them in, and then they diluted it out. So it wasn't there anymore, but they discovered that water has memory and that they, that the water had a, a, an electromagnetic signature of that bioactive molecule was left behind. And then Luc Montagnier showed and, and Benveniste too, that that signature could be projected into another beaker and have effect of the bioactive molecule, even though it was just its electromagnetic signature. In, in Luc Montagnier, it's easier to understand. He took DNA and he diluted it out so it wasn't there, captured the electromagnetic signature, put it on digital format, sent it to his friend in Italy who projected it on other beaker of water with the basic substrate, I guess, and it, re, and it reorganized into the DNA of the original. Really? Yeah. So, oh, so, yeah. So, so water has memory and it, and it can be, and that, and, and living things have electromagnetic signatures that can reproduce things. So what if, what if you captured not nice things like DNA, but what if I captured the electromagnetic signal of the death photons that created this dying pattern in these cells? Right. Oh. And then I projected them from towers in a city that I wanted to get sick. You see where this goes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where it goes. Wow. And you happen to be outside and you get some of this because if you're in your window glass, maybe you won't. But I'm not saying everybody stay home. I'm just right. saying there's, right. this is the possibility. So, But how does this affect 
our understanding of disease. So if there are no viruses, what well, the people, reason people don't want to believe this is that exactly what you said. How do you explain my kids' chicken pox? How do you explain mm -hmm. this or that? Why do we all get? And my question to Larry Pilevsky one time, who's a pediatrician that was talking to me about this, he said, uh, I said, okay, Larry, I've come over to the, the, the notion that there are no viruses, but tell me what the winter death season is, mm -hmm. okay? In the winter, we go inside and we don't get the sunlight. Now, another right. thing we've been lied to about and I and, you know, I I think it's really true that um, we're we're we are like peering through the glass darkly. But the people running this show, they know how the world works and they know how physiology works and they can control it. And we have to we have to struggle to figure this out. But in the winter, we don't get the sunlight and we were always told that our energy comes from food. Right. No, we were not plants. We don't get sunlight directly on our bodies and make any energy. That's not true. We, every cell in your body acts like a battery. And when you're out in the sun in the summer, the near UV and UV light, no, it's the infrared, it's the other end of the spectrum. It's the infrared and near infrared light actually charges your cells' batteries. Your cells are all polarized. And that polarization, which is technical, and I won't go into it right here, but you can look it up. There's a University of Washington professor that has lots of paperwork on this, on the magic of water. But anyway, it, it, that's what you get rid of toxins in the body. You get you detoxify your cells because you have this this polarization of your cells. And when you lose, when you depolarize, when you lose energy and you can't maintain that polarization, is when you start getting sick. So in the summer, you can work longer, play longer because the sun's out longer and you're getting a lot of this energy. But in the winter, guess what? Right. We our ancestors used to go to bed when the sun went down, but now what do we do? We stay up, the electrical lights are on, and we pretend as though it's daylight, it's not, and we're using more energy than we are taking in, and we get depolarized. We our batteries, you know, when we talk about recharging our batteries, it's really true. And so now you cannot expel toxins as well, and that's why we get sick in the winter. That's why when kids go inside and they're out of the sunlight, suddenly they can get some depolarization. That's part of it. The other part is, is that um, this electromagnetic signal, you know, if I get chicken pox and I'm three and a half years old, because my body has needed to detox in, in your, there's periods in your, you, you, when you're growing, you accumulate toxins and your body just naturally expels them. And rashes are one of the things you see when you expel mm -hmm. toxins. In fact, that's what smallpox really is, is a too fast detoxification of a bad toxic load. Um, and so monkeypox, they're trying to tell you it's a, another virus that these gay guys are getting. No, they're the Dr. Fauci has killed the gay community once with hepatitis B vaccine that made AIDS. Now he's doing it again. The gay community is getting monkeypox because they took a vaccine. They already had some damage to their immune system. They take a vaccine that damages it even more. And now they're super toxic and they're trying to get this stuff out. And it comes out like those pustules. Oh, monkeypox. So some kids are getting it too. And I don't think they're, oh, man. yeah, right. so that's what's happening. So when you go to, so I'm three years old and it's time for me to detox and my body says, okay, I'm going to detox and I detox and I get these little pustules on me. And, um, and I'm not saying that we can't have some contact thing that happens, but you don't need to have a contact thing. It could just be electromagnetic my body emanates those toxic, those, those things with the rash, they give off an electromagnetic signal that tells my buddy over here that came to the chicken pox party. He's four years old and he never touched me, but he comes in and now he's gotten the signal and he detoxes then. 
that all could so, happen that way. So this is interesting. So if it's toxification from some type of a substance that is, you know, some type of a chemical substance or what have you, you mentioned schools and you mentioned what they do when right. they're the school year, they do all this stuff, right? And in, in their estimation, they're cleaning. But from where you're standing, you're saying that, well, this very well could be that they're toxifying the environment. It'd be an interesting study to see a comparison between one school, school A versus school B, and then maybe a control of some kind, um, but bleach versus vinegar, you know, because. It's well, gonna... we probably have that. And the probably there's a whole new homeschool movement that's running in the yep. churches. The churches are not suddenly changing things. So when, do, you know, when they start the school year up in churches to suddenly everybody get sick, I haven't heard that. We'll yeah. see. I mean, those are, these are things to look at. And again, um, Science is never settled. There are going to be, you know, we're going to find out more and more as time goes on, but this does make a lot of sense. And it goes along, you know, one of the problems that they have is that when you, when you make a theory and you have all this stuff that doesn't fit the theory, they just yep. stated the theory. That's not the way science is supposed to work. If you should, you, you, yeah. should, you have to explain things that don't fit the pattern. And if, and if you're telling me, for example, the, in 1918, they could not prove transmission of influenza. They actually, unlike this time, this time they purposely tried to avoid any systematic study of, co of this new COVID disease. They didn't allow us to do autopsies, and they didn't really study it in a systematic way, even though mm -hmm. the, the NIH and CDC have tons of money to do so. So they it didn't get studied the way it should be. But even a year and a half after the COVID broke out, in a pathology meta-analysis the, 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 of all the pathology, the autopsy that had been done, put together in a collated fashion, looking at it, the conclusion was, we don't still know what's causing this. A year and a half later, okay? Now, in the pandemic of 1918, they actually had 118 pseudo-volunteers. Their, their sentences were commuted after this, so they weren't real volunteers. But it was run by the Public Health Service in Boston. Uh, the Navy was involved. Um, so these were probably guys in the brig. So anyway, what happened is the, the, the well people were, were, they were told to put their face down over the sick, dying people and breathe in their exhalations without touching them. Okay. So don't touch them. Just breathe in their breathing out. They could not spread the disease. Then they took, they took swabs and they swabbed the nose and the, the mouth and, and got lung goo and everything from the sick and dying. And they put those into the noses of the well people mm -hmm. could not make any, not, not just a few didn't get sick. Zero got sick. Right. Okay. Horses were getting sick in 1918. They could not spread the disease from a sick horse to a well horse. You know, so what is going on here? Again, this was an electro, it started as an electromagnetic problem and then it was aggravated by the vaccines. Probably. That part right. I can't prove, but I can tell you the electromagnetic problem is very, very, very clear. And also another reason about electromagnetic disease that goes back a long way is that the flu season was never a seasonal disease until we'd laid down the telegram lines in the 1850s. Then it became seasonal, a seasonal death season. Before that, you'd have flu outbreaks that would occur every 10 to 30 years, kind of on a, a weird cycle, not really cycling, but I mean, just kind of weird. It would, would pop up and it would be all over the world simultaneously. I mean, in the days of what I always say, in the days of wooden ships and iron men, they couldn't sail that fast. It couldn't have happened that way. Ships out at sea would get this stuff and they'd all come down with this flu-like illness. Flu just means, influenza means influence in Italian. It does not mean infectious disease. It's just influence. <laughs> and they couldn't figure out what the influence was. 
but some very smart uh, astronomers from England and Canada figured it out that those outbreaks perfectly coincided with sunspot cycles, the very active sunspots, very active flares, mm -hmm. ionized our atmosphere, people got sick. So we know electromagnetic frequency can make us sick. That is what we need to pay attention to here. And, 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 and could, and to your point, electromagnetic frequency could be interacting with something else in your body to make your body react a certain way and de try to detoxify itself, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you are wavelength. Everything yeah. in your body, you know, what's the difference between a single-celled organism and you? A single-celled organism doesn't need a nervous system. It doesn't need an endocrine system, okay? And, um, you know, I'm not sure they all have mitochondria. I guess they do, but, but we have mitochondria that process, that make energy through an electrical gradient, okay? It's all electrical. This is like a, a, a coal plant and it goes in to feed a hydro, uh, a, an electrical generator, Okay, that's exactly the way your body makes energy. And the other things that we have is a nervous system and an endocrine system that are run by fluxes of ions and they are voltage gated ion channels. These are little voltage sensors in your membranes that open and close, send, send the ions in or out that cause things to function. Why would we not think that when you get into an electromagnetic field, it would do things? Exactly. I mean, it makes logical sense. Now, let me ask you this. Um, we've recently talked to Dr. Tal Braun. Um, we've talked to Dr. Brian Artis again. They're neck deep in research um, and very much on the venom train, um, that being a, one of the culprits or the culprit for COVID. And, and, and also, we talked to Dr. Tal Braun about, you know, based on his experience in counterterrorism, this being a bioweapon. How oh, absolutely. Could, could, venom, could venom be the toxin? Um, and how does no. that kind of play into no. what we're talking about? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say nah, no. Okay. I'm not telling you that venom couldn't be in the vaccine. Who knows? They don't tell us yeah. and we haven't been able to, to, to determine it. But if it were the toxin, mm -hmm. and, 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 and again, venom is dose by, it's, it's related, it's dose related. So if you're a 180 pound man and you get a snake bite, you are much less likely to die from it than a baby that got the snake bite. But that's not what we saw in COVID. In other words, if they're going to tell me this was venom, I'm going to I'm going to tell you that is a fact that is so clinically apparent you cannot explain it on that theory. So you guys explain to me why it wasn't the children dying, it wasn't the little kids dying, it was big people. Especially right. obesity was a big risk. So it's not it's not right. Now, the second point I will make is, and this is from somebody, I've actually looked at bioweapon stuff and I've checked this stuff a long time. There's, I mean, not only do I say that because if you look at what the, the bioweaponeers were doing over historically, I just don't see that being it. But nonetheless, that could be, I'm not saying, but what I don't buy is this in the city water supply. Mm -hmm. If you're going to poison the water, that is, you know, ultimately you don't choose the hard, you, the hard solution for anything. I don't care if you're a good guy or the bad guy. When you're going to war, you choose the most efficient solution. It is not an efficient solution to think of poisoning the city water supplies across the entire world. 
Okay. They're all independent. You cannot just walk up and say, hey, stick this in the water. You've either got to bribe or blackmail people, or you've got to backflush it. I'm not saying it can't be put in mm -hmm. clandestinely, but not easy because again, it's dose related. You know how much of that stuff you'd have to have to put in a city like New York? You couldn't do it. Now they've shown you could poison a building. No question about that. I think they did it with the FBI or CIA building years ago. They showed that you could backflush that building and put something toxic in the water. Well, what um, was it? And, what was and, it? Go ahead. Go ahead. What was it, Mike, that Dr. Artis said uh, when we were on with him? He mentioned that um, there was parallel water supply piping that they can that's fine. switch electronically. Uh, that's it, fine. It, I don't yeah. disagree with that. Then they yeah. always say that, but that's still not, yeah. it doesn't make, it doesn't get rid of your need for huge tankers, huge volumes. Sure. Sure. And it's somebody would pick that up. That would have been seen. Look at the bricks we found on the BLM riots. Okay. If somebody mm -hmm. noticed that they would have noticed these big tankers doing this It is mm -hmm. not possible, but what is possible if you're the Nestle company or the Pellegrino water company, to put right. graphene oxide and one of the things into you, which we haven't talked about that yet. That's my background. You, you is, is graphene. You can, you could put that in your bottled water. If I'm, I don't drink bottled water anymore. My advice mm -hmm. to people is when they say, watch the water, don't watch, don't worry about your city water. It has more quality controls than bottled water. Mm -hmm. Bottled water is where you could do all this stuff, but I don't see clinical evidence of it, except I will give, I will give them credit about the, the, um, the uh oh the 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 receptors uh like um what you get from cigarette smoke mm -hmm. um, yeah the, right yep because he said the, the nicotine the nicotine receptors sorry yeah. i'm having a, a brain black out there nicotine receptors you know shoot blocking nicotine receptors might help now mm -hmm. What are we actually blocking though? I mean, what is it actually doing? We're not sure about what it's actually doing, but it might, if it somehow blocks this artificial parasite, maybe that's it. If it somehow blocks, uh, if it somehow changes your voltage gated cap challenge, I don't care how it works, but that clearly seems to be a true, a true, um, you know, observable phenomenon that we could, that we could see in patients. It is true. Smokers were not the ones that were calling us about the, the, the problem. It's right. like, why is type A blood a problem? Why is, there's a lot of unknowns here, but I am not buying that it's the water supply in our cities. I think that's just fear that is going to be purposeless to, for people do not, you know, put a filter, put good carbon three, three level filter on your city water and drink it. I mean, um, I'm not worried about that. Now, could somebody come and take me out in my house? I probably, but that's not right. what we're talking about here. So I don't think that's, I think, well, I think you'd if you're going to worry about You'd have to contaminate a well, wouldn't you? I mean, if for people well, who are wells, how did you do that? Again, you could, again how, how does the water supply in, in, in towns and cities work? It goes to a big aquifer. Do you know how big mm -hmm. those are? Oh yeah. It's not like you're just going to put it in a well. You'd have to put it in the water holding you know like the standpipe or the the yeah. reservoir again it would be obvious that somebody was doing that right, right. it's not clandestine putting it in bottled water is clandestine and it's mm -hmm. possible okay which is what a lot of people drink i mean these days, i know the and they know majority. that yeah and, and we have already discovered graphene reduced graphene oxide in pellegrino water and in nestle's really uh, see i'm going to tell you i think oh, they're going to dose us with these things if you believe karen kingston which i do mm -hmm. on this um, I think she's right. If this is actually an artificial genetically engineered hydrogel, which we, you know, 
I've got a lot of these quotes about hydrogel that are just really creepy. I mean, it is, it is new life form. They, they call it that, a synthetic life form. Um, when you start um, dosing people everywhere you go, they're talking about, I mean, they're talking about putting it in our foods, in our, in everything, our air, it could be aerosolized. The answer, well, we have to get, the, we have to take out the bad guys doing this, quite frankly, that is the ultimate answer to not be fighting this. But in the meantime, we have to do something that is a personally protective answer. And the reason that they've been trying to hide the parasite protocol more than anything else is that they don't want that to be an answer because I think it's a very effective answer. I think it takes down the hydrogel. I bet it takes down the hydrogel. Can't prove that. But I'm, I'm pretty sure we're proving that it takes down the cancer and the, and the autoimmune disease as a response to this. I mean, people with autoimmune disease also went down more with, I mean, just if you look at the facts, you know, and I love Dr. Brian Ars, he's my friend. And, we, and we've talked about this a lot. So we have no hard feelings about this, but I'm just telling you that he didn't see clinical patients with this like I did and like so many doctors did. Um, and it's, you know, when you start seeing that, they're just certain oddities that you got to understand. I mean, but one of them is clearly inflammation was a problem. The more inflamed you were going in, the worse outcome. So if you were, if, if you took this vaccine and you had autoimmune disease, you had a higher chance of problems. If you, if you get sick and you have, if, if you had autoimmune disease, mm -hmm. your chance of having more severe sickness from the original event was obvious. Right. You know, so uh, again, I think that we have to look at what's causing the autoimmune, what's causing inflammation in the body. And that seems to be parasites. And now gotcha. it's maybe also man-made parasites so where would someone find your anti-parasite protocol okay so i'm gonna put this website i'm gonna my website is three words themedicalrebel.com when i get this thing loaded up i'm gonna do it now hopefully today i'm gonna get it up on my site as a video and i'm gonna get it up on rumble as a video and then i'm going to update on the front of my 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 website i have a, a chlorine dioxide how to and I have a parasite protocol, how to. Gotcha. And um, so that's something you can print out. But I'm going to, the video is going to tell you, it's going to go into a little bit clearer explanation because sometimes this is, you know, like how, why do you cycle? Why does, see, hydroxychloroquine interestingly helps people with autoimmune disease, but it doesn't completely solve the problem because they never cycle it. You I know? see. Yep. So, and well, do, you recommend, do you recommend it for children as well? Well, I don't have the doses for children. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you what the government, there's actually one, there's, there's a government site that is for Alinea, which is nitazoxanide, and they do show doses and recommendations for children. I don't, you know, I guess I don't have small children in the house. The, the issue of the Panicure C though, in the fenbendazole, I will, I just mentioned that in the past when people had in the farms, they would give their kids an, a, a dose, a weight-based uh, fenbendazole dose, just like they gave their dogs or their cattle. Right. Okay. So if you're 150 pound, and that's what I do when I take fenbendazole, I do it by weight, unless I take the tablets and then I just give myself a certain milligram. But the, 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 the cream that you can buy, I'm going to get one of these and show people, but it's like, a, it looks like a big plastic syringe mm -hmm. and it just squirts out and it tastes a little chalky, but you just put it in a glass of water and wolf it down. And, um, and, and, and it's dosed by weight. So gotcha. Okay. I'm going to tell you, those drugs, all of these drugs are so not necessarily hydroxychloroquine, but Panicure C, which is fenbendazole and nitazoxanide and ivermectin 
extremely low toxicity. In fact, billions of doses of ivermectin, and there's never been, a, as far as I know, any toxicity reported of any magnitude. And I will say this too, is that when you start this, if you start having a rash, you're detoxing too fast. You've got to slow down. Gotcha. That's just, that's not an, you're not allergic to it. Like, like chlorine dioxide, you're not allergic to it. You're just detoxing too fast. I mean, you could try a different drug, but it's probably not an allergy. Um, certainly not to the chlorine dioxide. It's just detoxing too fast. That means you got to slow down. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Dr. Merritt, I know we're running up against our time. Uh, it's, this has been uh, very informative as usual. Uh, and uh, it's, <laughs> it's just wild to think about all these different things that are out there. And um, we appreciate your research and your insight. Um, what do you want to leave us with before we depart today? Well, I'm really up about this. See, I think personally, I, when I look around the world, I think things are changing for the better. It may seem dark. It may seem gloomy. All this talk of, of the other thing I've studied is scalar weapons. The other, don't worry about this. This, this talk about nuclear weapons is nonsense. The Russians are not going to nuke you. If somebody does, it's us, unfortunately. Um, you know, and it's just a fear thing. I think mm -hmm. the whole thing is run on fear. Presumably, there are a very small group of people running this. There are 8 billion of us. If we're not afraid and if we don't separate ourselves and if we right. take if we if we learn what to do to save ourselves right now, then we got to go after these psychopaths running this. This goes away. And I think we're close to that. Don't That's don't true. worry. Do not believe them. Do not run out and take any other vaccine. People say, well, how about the shingle shot? I say, no, no, ma'am. I don't even want to buy toothpaste from these psychopaths. Don't take anything <laughs> exactly. from these guys. Well, doctor, we appreciate you being on as usual. Thank you. Um, uh, before we go, don't forget everybody to go to www.libertymonks.com forward slash store. And you can find all of your Liberty Monks gear. Tell these globalists that you're not afraid. Just like Dr. Merritt said, you're not afraid. The fear is going to get you support. Um, uh, you know, wear, wear your Liberty Monks gear loud and proud. Tell them you're not afraid. And then please go to Dr. Merritt's website, like Dr. Merritt mentioned, um, uh, themedicalrebel.com, themedicalrebel.com. And you can find all sorts of valuable insight and information, but most importantly, those protocols that she just talked about, if that's something you're interested in exploring and looking at. And then Dr. Merritt, make sure you send us that, um, the, the Rumble video. Um, I will. Just, you know, the link, and then we'll put that in the description for people so they can go and check that out and see what that video is all about as well, okay? Awesome. Thanks so much awesome. for having me on. No, it's great to have you on. And um, as you know, God bless you and all the work that you're doing. Um, God bless everybody out there listening today. God bless America. Till next time, be safe and well. And, and uh, we'll see you soon. And Dr. Merritt, just uh, hang on tight and we'll uh, wrap up with you as soon as we're done. Okay. All right.